Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, July 10th, 2023, the 901st day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. Now, before we really get into it, Donald Trump had some very interesting appearances over the weekend. He gave a couple of big speeches that went well. He went to a Dairy Queen and wondered aloud, what the hell is a blizzard? Well, a blizzard is a massive storm, Mr. President, a massive storm during the winter. 
Just snow all over the place like the White House after Hunter Biden stops by. And then the president traveled to Las Vegas, where he attended a UFC fight. And it is always an amazing display when Trump attends the UFC with Dana White and people like Mel Gibson. Last time he was with Kid Rock and Mike Tyson if I'm not mistaken, but it was Mel Gibson and Mark Wahlberg and the president got to say hello and shake hands with none other than UFC announcer and host of the biggest podcast of all time, Joe Rogan. And they seem to have some mutual respect. President Trump certainly looked to be the alpha in the situation. And hey, you think I'm just biased toward President Trump? Watch the video for yourself. I'm not saying he totally owns Joe Rogan or Joe Rogan's some kind of weakling. Joe Rogan's just fine. I'm just saying that's what the video shows. It looked like Trump was being Trump. He had something he wanted to say to Rogan. Seems he said it. Rogan was being very respectful and very gracious, as one might expect. It didn't seem like they had a whole lot of familiarity with one another. We've discussed on this podcast before whether or not Rogan and figures like him have some sort of background role that no one really knows about, whether they are part of a large information op that we don't have a whole lot of insight to, whether their responsibility is to lead people along the path toward awakening at a certain pace so that the events as we see them evolve in public are matching the pace of the awakening, whether someone like Rogan or Tucker Carlson or maybe even Ben Shapiro would be tasked with something like that. And then there's the conversation beyond that, which is a much more difficult one. And one will probably start addressing more in the future, but whether or not it would be moral to hold back important truths from the public based on a calculation about how you're going to manipulate them out of the brainwashing that they have endured for years, decades, their whole lives in some cases. Now, no one has signed me up to be part of some special program along those lines. So I say what I think is right to say. We are at least convinced on some level that people like Rogan and Tucker and Ben Shapiro are doing the same thing that the things that come out of their mouths are their sincere and genuine thoughts, that they are telling people the truth to the extent that they know it and that they're not trying to trick anybody. Well, it's pretty clear that somebody like Ben Shapiro is getting paid a hell of a lot of money to trick people. At least that's how it seems to me. And I'm always open to the option that I could be wrong, but he has been wrong about every critical issue, every attack point, by which the regime pursues Donald Trump and pursues Donald Trump supporters. Ben Shapiro has been a supporter of the regime at all of those points. And it seems exceedingly odd to me that an approach like that one would be part of an info op designed specifically to awaken people. I've said many times that he seems to pretty obviously just be a gatekeeper of information. I've suggested many times that Rogan is the same thing. In nearly three years, he has not had anyone on to talk about stolen elections. 
He's also never interviewed Trump. Now, maybe that points to the fact that he is part of an info op and he just has to be hands off on this stuff for the whole thing to work. I'm open to that argument. I'm also open to the argument that $300 million from Spotify buys silence on a whole series of inconvenient topics. Joe Rogan in early 2022, after being scolded for his COVID comments, essentially said that if Spotify wanted to put warning labels on his episodes or take down certain episodes, they were welcome to do that. And when you're getting $300 million, maybe that seems like a fine compromise to make. But that also gives them license to censor other people on the platform. And they've censored me. Tucker Carlson sort of exists outside of that mainstream at this point, but he's not far outside of it. And anyone who listens to my show knows that I like Tucker. I think he's probably more helpful than he is hurtful. But again, massive platform didn't tell the world that our elections are obviously stolen. So you're either part of an info op or you're an information gatekeeper. One of those is forgivable. One of those is not. So this is how I look at all of these guys. And so if I see an interaction between Donald Trump and a man like Joe Rogan, I'm going to look at that interaction and think of it in this context. Does it seem like Rogan and Trump are familiar with one another? Does it seem like Donald Trump is thanking Rogan for the work he's done over the last couple of years? I can't tell. Maybe that was something that was said. Maybe they're talking about doing an interview soon. Or maybe Joe Rogan was just being polite to a man who he really doesn't have all that much respect for. He says on his show he's not a fan of Trump. He plays into the foundational misunderstanding about who Donald Trump is, that he's an arrogant narcissist, a bloviator. He can't control himself. He's always looking out for himself and his image, particularly in the short term. He's greedy. Everything's about money. Everything's about control and domination. Rogan plays into all those tropes. Maybe that's part of the op or maybe those are his real feelings. He hasn't talked to Donald Trump. He's given those reasons before. Those aren't very good reasons, but maybe they're his real reasons. Maybe he's part of an info op. Maybe this is his real thing. I imagine that Rogan will probably address it on his podcast and we'll see what he says. He's probably going to give us the answer. But whatever the right answer is regarding Joe Rogan, Trump still walked into T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas as a conquering hero next to Dana White. Massive standing ovation, massive applause. The announcers covering the event for ESPN talked about the reaction to Donald Trump. The fighters were coming out of the octagon to talk to Donald Trump, saying, we need you back. We need you back now. The man is supported and loved by normal people wherever he goes. And think about the competition. Think about what would happen if Joe Biden walked into that UFC arena. Obviously, he would be booed relentlessly. He would be treated worse than Donald Trump if Donald Trump walked into the Golden Globes. Because the truth is that the actors and producers and directors and writers who would attend the Golden Globes, most of them would not even have the balls to stand up and boo Donald Trump. They would be worried about how the coverage of that would be seen. 
And the truth is that most of those people don't believe what they're saying and doing in the first place. It's all just signaling to the members of their tribe. And it's hard to say how Ron DeSantis would be treated if he walked into that arena, but it sure wouldn't be like Trump is. And the idea that Dana White would even walk Ron DeSantis into a UFC fight, I'm not sure I buy it. Dana White has been with Trump for a long time. I met Dana White at a Trump rally in Henderson, Nevada in 2020. And it's funny because people think that this stuff doesn't matter, but it does matter. It matters a lot. And it's not just optics. These are real Americans spending money to see this event. And people can say whatever they want about the demographic of UFC fans, but it's a massive sport. The only demographic of people who don't pay any attention to UFC are basically just Biden voters who think he really got 81 million real lawful American votes and Antifa. So Trump has 20,000 fans cheering and going crazy for him. And that's one week after attracting 50,000 people to a town of 3,000 people in order to watch an outdoor rally in the middle of the day when it's 100 degrees in the middle of the summer. There are top-selling musical acts in the world that can't draw attendance numbers like that. It's not that Trump supporters are a cult. It's that Trump supporters know something needs to be done, and they are out there showing their support for the man who is in position to do it. We are being shown quite clearly that Donald Trump is not only the most popular politician in America right now. He's the most popular politician we've ever had in America. And it's not even close. We're also being shown that there is no way in the world that Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes. And I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone at this point who would argue that Biden did. And I don't mean that there's no one out there who will say that Biden did. I mean, there's no one out there who's going to stand there and argue that that really happened. Now, on Friday evening, I went to go see The Sound of Freedom with a friend of mine. I talked a little bit about this on Saturday night on Devolution Power Hour, but I wanted to spend a couple of minutes on the film and on some of the reaction to the film which has been really enlightening in kind of a disturbing way. So the film itself, I think, is a good film, and I do recommend people see it. I also would recommend understanding what you're getting into when you go see it. It's not exactly the sort of light fun fair you might want for a first date, unless the person you're going on the first date with is exceedingly based. And if you have found someone like that, maybe that's the right person for you. But the point I'm making is it's worth knowing you're going to come out of that film feeling, I would imagine, a certain heaviness. You'll be feeling a little sad, a little depressed, a little disgusted, wondering how it is possible that people are actually able to do these things. That's how I felt when the movie finished and as I was leaving and for probably about an hour afterward, 
it's extremely unsettling. And for me, I think the most unsettling thing was actually taking it out of the realm of the abstract and attaching faces and names and characterizations to the victims of this problem. It's one thing to read about the problem and to read about the statistics and imagine how all of this goes down. It's one thing to see the reports. It's another to have the victims of the international child sex slave trade characterize on screen because it's natural to provoke a different sort of empathetic reaction within us. And I know that a lot of people in our school of thought will understand that television and film have long been used to brainwash and influence and manipulate the masses. We've been funneled propaganda and misinformation all wrapped up in different displays of action or love or sadness or horror. And through the story, through these images, and then through that emotional experience that's elicited by the film, we have these experiences that seem to us as some sort of reality, and we have the reactions that we would have if the events were real. Now, that's been a very powerful force for evil and has been used against us specifically. We've been fed propaganda relentlessly for decades upon decades, but it can also be used as a force for good. I would argue that we can be awakened in the same ways that we were put to sleep. And in some sense, we can kind of see that happening in the world. People talk about the boomerang, right? It goes out and then it travels back and ends up in the same place. I talked a couple of weeks ago about the informational timeline. We get to a certain point in our lives, having made a series of mistakes over and over and over again. And the way to get back through that is to unwind our way through those mistakes back to the beginning. It makes sense intuitively and otherwise that the way to fully undo this long evolving process would be to go back through it exactly the way we came. Now, there have been a lot of negative reactions to this film, to the fact that this film exists. And almost all of those negative reactions are geared toward convincing people not to see the movie, that it's not important to see the movie, that the problem highlighted by the movie is not a real problem, at least not to the extent that the filmmakers portray it to be. The Guardian ran this headline, Sound of Freedom, the QAnon-adjacent thriller seducing America. So, it's not QAnon. By the way, QAnon's not a thing. That's what the media calls anything that they want people to ignore. They use that word to signal to the standard issue villagers in their audience that this is dangerous subject matter. Don't go anywhere near this thing. If you go near this thing, if you talk about this, if you consume this, if you tell other people about it, you're going to be mocked and ridiculed. You're going to be ostracized. This is off limits to you, and it's off limits to all good and smart people. In fact, knowing this is off limits is what makes you a good and smart person, the same as knowing that masks work. Remember that? It doesn't matter whether or not masks actually do work or whether or not there's any evidence that masks did work. And of course, there is none. 
It only matters if you are the sort of smart person who will say that masks work despite knowing that they don't work because smart people are supposed to support masks because the smartest thing that anyone could ever think is better safe than sorry. I've said before that Donald Trump is an avatar for their hate movement. QAnon is another one of those avatars. They can call anyone QAnon and that immediately attaches that person to the group of people who should be ostracized, scorned and hated. If you want to be accepted in mainstream culture, you cannot be a science denier, a vaccine denier, a sexist, a racist, a homophobe, any kind of bigot, however they describe it. And you definitely cannot be a Trump supporter and you cannot be a QAnon. If you're going to do any of those things, you're not going to be acceptable. So when they tell you, hey, guys, this is one of those things. This is one of those things that if you go near it, you're going to get in trouble. People are going to say bad things about you. That is what this media push is looking to do. They're attaching this movie to QAnon and thereby to that hate movement. Anyone talking about sound of freedom as a good thing that people should see, that person is immediately suspect. They are trying to lead everyone toward QAnon, the most dangerous thing in the entire world, even though it's just 5,000 posts on the internet that you can go look at. It's just information among other information. Look at it, see if it creates thoughts or feelings, maybe a desire to research and find out what's going on in the world. That's the danger of Q posts. It's not like it's the movie Candyman. You don't just open QAlerts.app on your computer and look at three posts and then a monster appears behind you. You get like 17 posts in and then walk to the bathroom and look in the mirror and go QAnon, QAnon, QAnon. And Hillary Clinton appears out of nowhere with a knife just stabbing you repeatedly. That's not going to happen. You're just reading things on the Internet, same as you do with the Washington Post. And truth be told, the Washington Post on a daily basis, the Washington Post describes and manipulates people into believing in a much more dangerous conspiracy theory about the world than anything you could possibly draw from the Q posts. But Sound of Freedom is QAnon adjacent. It's not QAnon because the movie says absolutely nothing about any of that. And it doesn't go into the very, very dangerous QAnon subjects that people are claiming make this film QAnon adjacent. They say that Jim Caviezel is the problem because Jim Caviezel talks about adrenochrome and Jim Caviezel's in the movie. He talks about adrenochrome elsewhere, but Jim Caviezel, that makes him QAnon because he said the wrong things. And so the movie obviously is QAnon adjacent, but the movie doesn't talk about QAnon. It doesn't talk about celebrity pedophiles. It doesn't hint at any relationship between the world of professional politics and the world of the global sex slave trade. It doesn't do any of that. The Washington Post, as I just mentioned, ran this headline. One of the writers of this story, by the way, is Will Summer, one of those guys who researches the QAnon movement and then writes books for standard issue villagers and other brain dead normies so that they can understand what 
QAnon is, even though there's no such thing as QAnon, there's just Q posts and anonymous people on the internet, Anons. In fact, it's funny, just yesterday, an account called at social rate wrote F U Anon and enclosed a picture that says, oh, you're posting on an alt. Why don't you use your real photo and name so I can call your employer and get you fired for disagreeing with my retarded worldviews? Elon Musk responded and said, this platform will protect Anons for this reason, particularly. So does that make Elon Musk QAnon adjacent? Well, hey, maybe he is. Who's to say? But Anons are just people on the internet who don't have their real name and likeness attached to their account. Q are just posts on the internet. It's just information among other information. There is no QAnon. QAnon is only a signal that tells standard issue villagers Whatever we're attaching this to is totally off limits. It's like a do not disturb sign for ideas and every standard issue villager is a hotel maid. Rolling Stone had this headline. Sound of Freedom is a superhero movie for dads with brain worms. The QAnon tinged thriller about child trafficking is designed to appeal to the conscience of of a conspiracy-addled boomer. Okay, well then I guess I'm a boomer. This was written by some guy named Miles Klee, who has his tweets protected on Twitter, which means unless you follow him, which he has to approve, you can't see his tweets on Twitter. But he did set up an alt account so that he could spend his weekend as a shit-brained millennial trying to gaslight people who are against pedophilia and the child sex trade. And I want to read a couple of paragraphs of this just so you can understand the condescending tone we're dealing with here. Based on a true story, I heard from somewhere across the theater, the familiar words had appeared on screen and an elderly man had taken it upon himself to read them aloud to the rest of a sizable audience seated for a matinee showing of the anti-child trafficking thriller Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel. For the seasoned moviegoer, this phrase is a joke. We know that cinema will stretch almost any truth to the breaking point. And the rank insincerity of such a pronouncement is the foundation of the prankish opening titles of Fargo. But this crowd, I could tell, would view the events depicted over the next two plus hours as entirely literal. Caviezel, best known for being tortured to death in Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, has become a prominent figure on the conspiracist right, giving speeches and interviews in which he hints at an underground holy war between patriots and a sinister legion of evildoers who are harvesting the blood of children. It's straight up QAnon stuff, right down to his use of catchphrases like the storm is upon us. Here he gets to act out some of that drama by playing a fictionalized version of Tim Ballard, head of the anti-sex trafficking nonprofit Operation Underground Railroad in a feature film that cast the operator as a Batman style savior for kids sold into the sex trade. Ballard himself has dabbled in Q adjacent conspiracy theories such as the Wayfair trafficking hoax, while his organization has far right affinities and a long record of distorting its botched raids, which rely on bizarre tactics like asking psychics where to find victims for rescue. 
Ballard, Caviezel, and others of their ilk had primed the public to accept Sound of Freedom as a documentary rather than delusion by fomenting moral panic for years over this grossly exaggerated epidemic of child sex trafficking, much of it funneling people into conspiracist rabbit holes and QAnon communities. In short, I was at the movies with people who were there to see their worst fears confirmed. Okay, so that's his introduction to his review. Multiple mentions of QAnon, something I am nearly certain this author, Miles Klee, has never actually looked into or spent any time with. And I want to stop for a second on that. What does it mean for these people to look into something? Well, usually it means that they have looked up a number of articles on Google that will tell them about how bad QAnon is. And this holds true for any subject. If you ask a villager, have you ever actually looked into that for yourself? They will always say yes. And what they mean when they say yes is that they have read a few articles that concern the same subject matter that's being discussed. And that's all they mean. They have read an article that says, here are five reasons why your enemies are wrong again. Here are five reasons why climate change deniers are putting your grandkids health at risk. Here are five reasons why COVID deniers are killing your grandmother. Here are five reasons why QAnon is a dangerous conspiracy theory believed only by the stupidest and most evil people in the world. And your standard issue villager will have read articles like this. And to them, that means they have actually looked into things. That is not looking into something with the motivation of trying to find out the truth about an issue. That's only a villager attempting to to ease your mind by understanding that very smart people have looked into it and they found out that your enemies are wrong again. Are we supposed to believe that Miles Klee went in and read a number of Q posts and then tried to determine what it was people took those posts to mean, what research they did, what actual issues in the real world intersect the information from those Q posts. You think they've gotten to the bottom of the relationship between the United States of America and Saudi Arabia and the role of Prince Al-Walid bin Talal and Mohammed bin Salman? No, there's absolutely no chance that someone like Miles Klee has done that. Has Miles Klee spent time looking into child sex trafficking? No, of course not. But he did use Google to find a few articles that told him all his enemies are wrong. Anyone who believes in this is QAnon or QAnon adjacent. And either way, they can be completely dismissed. And if you don't dismiss them, then you will be dismissed. That's the argument he's making, and he's using tired old tropes about who the enemy is to convince other brain-dead, degenerate millennials like himself that only losers would ever care about this subject. This movie's not real. Everybody knows it. In fact, Tim Ballard is a big, stinky liar. 
which means that even though this movie is based on a true story, the movie itself is not true at all because the true story it's based on is also like not really that true. And the problem that they are trying to show in this movie, it's not that big of a problem. I mean, sure, it is one of the most heinous crimes imaginable every single time it happens and it keeps happening and no one really talks about it, even though everyone knows it's happening, but it's, you know, not, not that big a problem. I mean, it's not like everyone's kids are kidnapped and then sold to brutal thugs and criminals so that they can be systematically raped for years on end. It's only some people's kids and most of the people whose kids it is, they're from like Central or South America, maybe Africa, maybe parts of Asia or Eastern Europe. And that's basically the same as it not being a problem at all. The degenerate millennial from Rolling Stone claims that organ harvesting is a conspiracy theory. Adrenochrome is a conspiracy theory. None of this is real, even though if it was real. It would be one of the most important things in the world to any good and decent person. But because it's only the conspiracy theorists who ever talk about it, that means the whole thing isn't real. Here's how he ends the article. There's visible suffering all around us in America. There are poor and unhoused and people brutalized or killed by police. There are mass shootings, lack of health care, climate disasters. And yet over and over, the far right turns to these sordid fantasies about godless monsters hurting children. Now, as in the 1980s satanic panic, they won't even face the fact that most kids who suffer sexual abuse are harmed not by a shadowy cabal of strangers, but at the hands of a family member. To know thousands of adults will absorb Sound of Freedom, this vigilante fever dream and come away thinking themselves better informed on a hidden civilizational crisis. Well, it's profoundly depressing. Worse still, they'll want to spread the word. So that's what it is. All of the stupid rubes on the right, those Trump supporters, those MAGA people, those QAnons, those climate deniers, those vaccine deniers, they are seeing this film about this hidden civilizational crisis and they're going to tell other people about it. And that is a bad thing, according to Miles Klee. All of these people should instead be focused on a homeless problem created by Democrats. People brutalized and killed by police, which is certainly a real problem, but at least in terms of its racial effect, totally overstated and misconstrued by people like Miles Klee. And the same is true with the mass shootings. We are supposed to be more concerned about a lack of health care for certain individuals in the United States after watching what healthcare systems and doctors and the public health community did during COVID while knowing that access to health care has only become more of a problem because of the level of Democrat control over the issue and climate disasters. That's not even a real thing, Miles. But everyone should focus on that stuff. What arguments are being made here? The problem, if it's real at all, is not as big as these people are saying it is. These are QAnon people saying it or they're boomers or they're dads with brain worms. Are those all the same people? Are we worried about 
dads who are also boomers. So we're worried about dads in their 60s and 70s. Are are those the dads he's talking about? Oh, no. Young dads would be the ones getting most upset about this sort of thing. And those quite clearly are not boomers. And the movie's done pretty well. I mean, it's raked in over $40 million already. It outperformed Indiana Jones on July 4th. Indiana Jones, from the perspective of Hollywood, is like a studio summer tentpole movie that's supposed to be one of the big releases. For whatever movie studio that is, that's their big summer release. And it got beat by a dark, depressing indie film about child sex trafficking. Which has to make you wonder, how many QAnons are there if QAnons can generate $40 million at the box office in an opening week? Then, of course, we had the CNN clip that has gone semi-viral. It's one of their hosts, a woman talking to Mike Rothschild, who is another one like Will Summer, whose entire career right now is focused on watching what the QAnon community does and then telling stories to the standard issue villagers out there about what QAnon is. This is what all those crazy, crazy people think. Well, he was on TV to let everyone know from his expert perspective that all of these conspiracy theories, well, they have like a grain of truth in them, They just lead all these people to all of these bad conclusions. That's where the conspiracy theory is. There's something true, and then people just don't understand it because they're too dumb, they're too unsophisticated, they're too gullible. They'll just believe whatever they're told, and then they end up doing absolutely crazy things that destroy their lives, like injecting themselves with a toxic experimental substance that can't protect them from a disease that can't kill them just because the television tells them they're going to be ostracized from the community if they don't do it. Oh, oh yeah, you might have noticed that the thing I just described was all of the normal people out there watching mainstream television and reading mainstream news and listening to writers like Will Summer and Mike Rothschild and also Ben Shapiro for that matter and then going and getting themselves a COVID vaccine. They are at least correct that people are courting very bad outcomes by listening to all of the wrong people and not researching things for themselves and not getting to the bottom of things, just believing conspiracy theories that they see online. You see too many conspiracy theories online and you might end up walking around through your normal life with your face covered, breathing in your own exhaust just to give everyone a visual signal that you're on the good team. You might find yourself cheering on months on end of violent protesting and rioting and looting, burning down cities, attacking courthouses, killing cops, and then turning around a few months later and then calling your friends and neighbors domestic terrorists. You might find yourself pretending that some doddering old kid-sniffing pervert who couldn't get 20 people to a campaign event got 81 million real lawful American votes. And you might go out in public telling other people that they were Nazis for not going along with it. In fact, you might find yourself supporting a Nazi army 
in a foreign land just as a result of consuming too many conspiracy theories online. All of these things can happen, which is why you have to be very, very careful about what you believe. But hey, these guys know how to find the best fact checks on Google. So we should probably just trust them when they write a Rolling Stone article that proves how exaggerated the child sex trafficking claims are by linking to another Rolling Stone article about how a target sex trafficking hoax went viral on TikTok. You get it? There's no problem at all, according to Rolling Stone. Now, there's another reaction out there coming from an entirely different place that I actually think is worth taking seriously and discussing for a minute. You might be familiar with the actor and comedian Owen Benjamin, who seems to be a very committed truth teller and is consistently saying, I think, what he genuinely believes to be the truth. The only problem is he's kind of blackpilled right now. He left Hollywood. Good for him. He lives on, I guess, a farm now, and I think it's in Idaho, if I'm not mistaken. And he seems to really enjoy that lifestyle and that life. He's a big proponent of it and good for him on all those things. I just also think he's blackpilled. I think he's missing something and I think he's a little bit detached, but I would honestly love to have that conversation with him because I do respect him. I think he's very smart and I think he is trying to tell the truth to the extent he knows it, just as we all are. But here's what he said last night. Spread the word means to market. Raise awareness means to market. Does Sound of Freedom tell you where to go to save children, who to kill, what to do? No, it's a hyper demoralization tool. Most people human traffic their kids every day on a school bus to be mind raped and fed poison. Where's that movie? Now, okay, provocative, interesting point, a good point, probably right to some degree, maybe not smart to conflate these two subjects because this scale is different, but it's definitely a worthwhile point of conversation. So the average parent who barely has time to go to their kid's baseball game or cook a meal is going to quote, pressure the government about Colombian child trafficking, which government officials, how it's a total trick. Focus on your kids and your community. These movies are mind fucks. They don't wake people up to anything but despair and helplessness. He went on. It's just very convenient that Sound of Freedom is in the third world and not Tel Aviv and Fifth Avenue. It's all just so convenient that it's always these damn poor brown people that are always up to no good. Tim Ballard does seem based, but the movie is called Revelation of Method and Hyper Demoralization. I get that it's cool these ideas are getting out there, but without specific names or calls to productive action, it actually has the opposite effect. Now it's a known thing that no one will stop, which is actually even worse than an unknown. I've been at this a while and I know way too much about how psyops work. By the way, farming, homeschooling, and community building isn't hiding. It's actually the solution. But by all means, keep watching child abduction porn and raising awareness. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack in these two posts. I think he's generally right that spreading awareness and spreading the word is usually not a genuine real world effect. It's not progress to spread awareness necessarily. 
And we have seen how the regime uses the idea of spreading awareness over the last, say, 10 or 15 years with the advent and then full saturation of social media. We've seen viral campaigns looking to spread awareness, the ice bucket challenge that raises everyone's awareness to MLS. And I guess some people raise money for some other people throughout that period. So it's good. But did we solve anything or did we just generate a lot of funds for the medical community? We know we're not told the truth about the roots of most diseases. So what are we supposed to think about that? There was that whole Coney 2012 thing where we were told by a group of dancing teenagers about an African warlord who was employing child soldiers and the group was asking the U.S. government for military action in, I believe it was Uganda to be able to fix this problem. So a bunch of dancing liberal Southern California teenagers wanted Congress to start a war in Africa to save these child soldiers from Coney. And the way that that was going to be accomplished was through hashtags. So I get that the awareness campaigns are a little ridiculous. And I think in general, he's right about the revelation of method and the hyper demoralization. The idea here is that they're showing you how this thing works. They're letting you know it's real so that you can be really upset and horrified by the problem. Think the problem is way too big to ever be solved. And then it convinces you that you are even weaker and have less of an effect on the real world than you do now. Owen Benjamin is supporting a hyper-localized view, and it makes a lot of sense. His main point throughout a lot of what he discusses these days is to show people that this is where you can actually make an impact. Go buy land, have kids, raise those kids well, be involved in your community, make sure your community is going in the right direction. And if everybody is doing that in their own community, we will end up with a far better world. I think he is totally, totally right about that. I just don't think you have to do that to the complete exclusion of the other thing. I'm also not sure that if the movie had a certain call to action and directed people toward certain specific action that was going to fix this problem. I'm not sure that would really be all that different in this case. And again, I think that this is something that would be really interesting to talk to Owen Benjamin about. I think there's a case to be made that it's good. This film doesn't direct people toward acting in a certain way, because at some point we have to become our own leaders, which is what he is encouraging in other parts of a person's life. I would rather have someone walk out of that film, understand that there really is an international sex slave trade. It includes children. This is a widespread problem. And if people want to help, they're going to have to figure out how to actually help. I think a major development over these last few years is that people have realized you can't just call on the government and expect the government to fix something. And you can't even just depend on groups that are set up to fix that very problem. There are almost definitely nonprofit organizations in this world right now who say they are committed to solving this problem 
who actually make the problem worse. We know organizations like Catholic Charities are operating down at the southern border, facilitating this international slave trade for labor and sex and other things. They are involved in the operation at the border. They're a non-governmental organization who receives government funding. They're called Catholic Charities, so people out there think they must be trying to do good things. And instead, they are helping to facilitate the slave trade. So there is no easy fix. There is no group that you can just point everyone in that direction and expect that the problem is going to be solved that way. I think that this is the sort of problem that can only really be solved once people accept the problem for what it is and really understand that it does exist. And it's not a small problem. It's not a series of isolated incidents. And it's not, as Miles Klee wrote in Rolling Stone, a problem that is overshadowed by sexual abuse at home. People need to understand that it is a system producing the results you would expect the system to produce. So I generally think that Owen Benjamin, super smart guy, a lot of respect for him. He's on point on these issues, but I think that his dial is just a little off. I think that this analysis would have been exactly right 10 years ago. I just have more faith, I guess, in normal people than he does. And I also think that we are further along in this awakening process than apparently he believes us to be. Again, I think all this would be an interesting conversation. But I think people right now have learned they can't just call on an authority figure. They can't just call the police and be like, hey, there's a systemic sex trafficking trade happening internationally. Can you please go fix this? No one believes that. Obviously they know they can't just call on the government and expect things to be fixed. And there's not an organization out there that can just be trusted to go do this work. And truthfully, all of that is an insight in itself, knowing that this problem exists and that people aren't committed to fixing it is scary. But unlike 10 years ago, let's say, I think that people have woken up and understood this. I think people know this about their society right now. If they want something to be fixed, they're going to have to get a lot of people to understand that it's a problem and that it needs to be fixed in a certain way. And we all need to get together on how this problem is going to be fixed. People are getting involved all over the country at their look in a range of different issues with very different approaches. Some people are going and volunteering, for instance, to be poll watchers or committee precinct chairman. And certainly people have developed the ability to start researching and figuring out where their energy and their resources can be put to the best possible use. So he's right that just seeing a movie isn't anything. All you are doing is exchanging your money for the experience of watching this thing and whatever feelings come from that or thoughts come from that are your own. And those are on a societal level meaningless until they actually encourage effective action to solve the problem. I'm with him 100% on all that. I'm also with him on the PSYOP techniques and that He's describing all of that the right way. I think in a prior age, he would be exactly right on all of this. I just think that people are perceiving this stuff differently now. I have said countless times on this podcast that what I am looking for always in my analysis is what are the net effects of what is happening here? 
Is it moving people toward the awakening or is it hindering the awakening? Now, he might argue that the demoralization aspect of this is actually hindering the awakening and convincing people that their actions and their thoughts and what they know about the evil in the world is meaningless because there's nothing they can do about it. That's a very black-pilled point of view, but you can't just dismiss it out of hand. I don't think it's right, however. I think that we are getting to the point where people are having this feeling way too often on too many different aspects of their lives to not understand that there is something much deeper that they have missed before, something deeper going on right now. And every time they realize that a new one of these problems actually is real and actually does matter, they move closer and closer to that ultimate breakthrough where they realize that they have been lied to, not about a few little things, not about things that affect other people's lives, but not theirs, about everything. That's why at the end of every episode, I always say they lied to you about a pandemic. It matters that we are being lied to about the most important issues in the world. And some people don't get it the first time around or the second time around or the 10th time around. We can see now that some people don't get it the hundredth time around. But sooner or later, as society keeps pushing toward some ultimate truth, that breakthrough is going to happen. And I imagine that for a lot of people seeing this movie, their breakthrough in relation to this problem has happened within the last week. I would say to Owen Benjamin, got you. I understand what you're saying, but maybe let's give this a couple of weeks and see what happens. If people continue seeing this film in massive numbers, We have to assume that some significant number of people are going to wake up to the problems of this world for real for the first time. If the movies made $40 million already, and we're going to say the average ticket price is 10 bucks, that would be 4 million people seeing it. Now, maybe the average ticket price is a little higher than that. Maybe not all the people who have bought tickets to it have seen it. Maybe it's 3 million people who have seen it, but even if it's 3 million, And if it's 1% of that 3 million who go in, get exposed to these ideas for the first time, that leads them to take these ideas seriously, and that leads them to go home and do some research and try to get involved on this, that would be 30,000 people who have now been activated to see the world in a different way. And maybe it's not this issue that they get involved with. Maybe only 10% of that 1% try to get involved in something like this. That would still be an extra 3,000 people focused on this problem. But it's not only that direct involvement that matters. It's the awakening to the understanding that evil on this scale really does exist in the world. And there are systems built around carrying this evil forward into the world because it just so happens that it's very, very profitable. When people awaken to that, they realize that this writer from Rolling Stone or these two ridiculous fake news dorks on the QAnon beat are not telling them the truth. They're trying to distract them. They're trying to avert their eyes. And they're not just doing it about child sex trafficking. They're doing it about everything. And why are they doing it? 
CNN has that segment with Mike Rothschild. Well, CNN in the last couple of years has had producers and staffers accused of, arrested for, and one already convicted of exactly this sort of child predation. These people are sick. They are making fun of the moviegoers who are seeing this movie. That is who they are attacking. They are trying to say it's all QAnon. This is all a conspiracy theory. Don't anybody go see this movie. Don't anybody start talking about child sex trafficking or you're going to be ostracized. But where are the kids? This is from NPR, April 13th, 2023. Congressional lawmakers raise concerns about the welfare of migrant children. New York Post. Republican senators want feds to explain losing 85,000 migrant kids. We're told that they're just being sold into child labor as if that's somehow a good enough explanation. We know the system exists, even if it's just that. Take the sex thing out of it. It's just child labor, let's say. It's just these migrant kids and they're just lost. I'm sure we'll find these 85,000 kids at some point. Isn't that bad enough? Doesn't that indicate a system when you're understanding how the immigration process at the southern border works? It's our government working hand in hand with cartels and NGOs, and they are distributing these people around the country wherever they determine they're needed. That is a slave trade, and that's if you take the sexual aspect out. But we know that these kids are also handed over to what they call sponsors, who oftentimes are people who have never met these children in their lives. Some of them have very spotty pasts. And again, no one is paying attention to where these kids end up. Are we just supposed to assume that they're not trafficked into the sex trade? All of the statistics about it, even the ones from our own government are false. And hey, if you want to make that argument, I would happily engage that argument because I am quite certain that most of the statistics coming out of our government are indeed false or at least skewed for the benefit of various government agencies and agendas. I'm happy to have that discussion, but don't tell me the whole thing isn't a problem. That's madness. So who are these people covering for and why are they covering for these people? Why is Jeff Bezos's Washington Post publishing editorials trying to convince people not to see this film? Why are these professional QAnon journalists trying to get people not to see this film? Why are they trying to diminish the problem? And why are all of the people trying to get everyone to ignore this problem? The same people telling everyone that the grooming of children in schools, for instance, is not a problem. How is it always the same people? Julian's rum on truth pointed this out. He wrote them don't watch movies about child trafficking. Also them take your children to stripper drag shows. And I think that post is great because it really highlights the hypocrisy that we're dealing with here. And this isn't one of those simple, shallow hypocrisies like we constantly see from outlets like the Daily Wire. Oh, you really owned the libs, those kinds of hypocrisies. This is the same people who are telling everybody 
that grooming is not an issue. This is just another conspiracy theory. Even while we show graphic sexual material to little children in school and try to convince five and six year olds that they're not the right gender. That's not a problem. That's a conspiracy theory. We are actually teaching these children how to be more tolerant of the people they may meet throughout their lives who have deviant sexual lifestyles or make up their own gender identity. And at the same time, it's supposed to be a good thing to take these little children so that a grown man in a dress can give them a lap dance. None of that is supposed to matter. We're supposed to understand that the actual bad people are the people going to see Sound of Freedom. They're stupid. They're conspiracy theorists. They're boomer dads with brain worms. No one should take these people seriously. And if these people are taking some subject seriously, that's how you know not to take the subject seriously. That's how you know that subject is QAnon. And QAnon means you're never allowed to know about it. You know who we should take seriously? Degenerate millennial bloggers for Rolling Stone and people who have their pronouns posted in their bios. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month, comes out to under a quarter per episode, and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com, and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!